Greetings, Sci-Fi Universe. Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. This is Owen with SciFiction.com. Joining me tonight on the show is filmmaker and director Joel Gilzo. How are you doing tonight, Joel? I'm doing good, Owen. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. You've been doing a lot of stuff recently, man. You've got a, you've got your film that you've uh, been working on. How long have you been working on that? The film is called Norman, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called Norman. Uh, I've started like uh, October of 2011. I've been working on it for... Yeah, seven years. We finished it last July, uh, right. yeah, late last July, and uh, yeah, it's been a <laughs> it's been a really long journey to get it finished. But uh, excited to finally just have it done and able to actually show people and kind of get outside of this bubble that I've been in for so long and you know see what people think. <laughs> right, right. And you've just got done doing, I believe, a festival recently. Where where was that? Richmond, Virginia, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Richmond, Virginia. So the, uh, it was a pretty big festival. It was pretty neat. Our first time ever going to anything like that. And so kind of went there in a way is just kind of to absorb and to learn. And uh, right. it was pretty awesome. And you've got some other festivals, I believe, you've got coming up or looking at what are some of the other ones you're going to be doing upcoming here in, in the future? Yeah, there's a bunch. we got a bunch in California, some in New York, uh, some in Austin, Texas, Uh there's honestly all over. So we've submitted to probably about 45 or so. And, you know, the rule oh, wow. is kind of like, you know, you don't get in some, you get in some, that kind of thing. And so a, lot, a bunch of them we should find out. But we, we learned that we got accepted into the um, Australian Sci-Fi Festival in September. Mm. And then that's going to be crazy. I'm really excited to go to that because it's uh, they have about eight to ten main films and they show short films. But it's all kind of in one place, but it's just sci-fi. Mm. And what's cool about that is, again, because you know, when we went to Richmond, you know, you have every type of film, right? And right. everyone's kind of crowd, crowded and kind of scattered around. But with this, having everyone at the kind of same, you know, you know, venue is going to be awesome right. because, you know, people, again, they, they, they've seen everything under the sun when it comes to sci-fi. So we're excited to see right. if Norman really does stick out, you know, and go, wow, okay, that's unique. Uh, you know, <laughs> so that, that'll be right. really cool. I forget. I think if it works there, I feel, I feel like it's going to work. <laughs> well, what is, for people that haven't heard about Norman or would like to know about Norman, what exactly is it? What's the film about? And can you go over like the Cliff Notes version, like the overall, you know, synopsis and everything about the film and so forth? Yeah, sure. Uh, Norman is a feature length sci-fi film about a time traveler and his AI companion. Norman becomes trapped and isolated in the past jeopardizing life in both the past and the future, and he must invent a way back to the future before the world collapses. So it's essentially it's essentially a, a film about a character named Norman, who's a scientist, mm. he's very smart, and it's really all about his journey and to kind of do something different in the time travel kind of genre, <laughs> that kind of thing. There's been right. a lot of films done in time travel, some good and some not so good. And we wanted to right. know, how do we build, how do we make one that's unique and different that some people have never seen before? And ours is really all about Norman not building this time machine to go back and like, you know, again, kill Hitler, change the world, like in a, such a drastic way. Like he's not trying to save the world. He literally right. uses it to escape his problems from where he's originally mm. from in the future. And so the movie's 
movie does, movie actually starts in the past after he's already time traveled and it kind of unfolds from there and you learn more. Why did he go here? How did he get here? Why is he stuck here? And why is he so desperate to get back? Because he lives essentially as a hermit in this house and he never leaves. And he's just terrified because he knows he's going to change things. But the movie really unfolds and starts, you know, explaining more and more. And his, the secondary character, Annie, which is this artificial intelligence device that he created, she's extremely mm. witty. The actor voices it. It was just awesome. Uh, Melissa Crowderfield does it and she just does a phenomenal job. But she's really sarcastic. And honestly, that character is, uh, we, I, I, I wrote both characters. So when, we, when I was writing the script and, all of Norman's dialogue, you know, really comes from me. But then I, when we got closer to actually doing the visual effects and doing the dialogue, I really wanted Annie's voice to sound different, right? Because Norman, right. they both sounded similar. So I got the major plot points down, but a really good friend of mine, James Banks, came in and rewrote every single line for Annie in a oh, different wow. fashion. And, and we, we were meticulous about it, too. So Annie will literally talk very computer-like or more logical when there's very technical stuff. But when she's being right. more human, so to speak, she'll kind of change the way she she talks and her grammar and everything. So, you know, mm. instead of saying they are, she'll say they're. You know what I mean? So, so there's, like, we went to that crazy detail to show, like, how she is and just kind of uh, set her apart from other different characters in universes in sci-fi, especially when it comes to time travel right. or things like that. Um, and my brother, we took a whole bunch of old hard drives, tons of old hard drive sounds, and we cut mm. them up, and he, my brother laid the sound in. So every syllable she says, there's a slight little bit of a hard drive sound. It's very subtle. Oh, wow. It's really unique. Uh, because, again, Norman is obsessed with the past. So he loves old records. Right. He loves old music. And Annie hates all that. Um, and so <laughs> it's this thing where he, you know, she's obviously a futuristic tech, piece of technology, uh, and she hates this old stuff and the old music he listens to, but Norman is obsessed with it. But you find out more of why he's obsessed, because, again, he feels like he doesn't belong where he does in the future. Right. But then he realizes, I never should have came here, and I have to leave. But it really unfolds, and you kind of figure out more about his problems and he, you know, you'll see the adventure gets pretty big. It's right. People are very surprised when when they when people see it. They they like go. There's a certain point in the movie where they go, "Oh my gosh!" When I saw this part, I realized I should have been paying way more attention. And it's so satisfying because they go, "I need to see this again." Because what in the world that connects this connects that connects. So I really wanted it to be a multi-layered kind of film that when you you watch it, you know, obviously it's gonna going to be fun the first time but you just left there going wait a minute was this that, right. that this you know like that's i was hoping because again it has to stand out from i mean there's a billion movies i remember my dad for sure we used to talk a long time ago and and i've watched right. documentaries you know you see about spielberg making his first film and or back to the future and all that yeah, yeah. well you know like back then you know you'd have my philosophy is like for now is like just because everyone has cameras, I think it's harder to make films. So it's kind of flip flop, flip flop. So back then, right. it's it's it was harder to start a film but easier to finish. Now it's easier to start and harder to finish a film. Harder and to finish. Right. The reason, what, and what I mean by that is, you know, because everyone has cameras and phones, it's really easy to kind of just quickly go film something. But like learning on the back end of doing good audio and visual effects, 
there's so much coming because you, you can easily like find yourself like, oh crap, I started filming something. This is much bigger than I expected. Where back then so, it was tough to start because again, to get the equipment, to get the get the money. But once you actually got that, you were kind of like guaranteed. Okay, now I'm making a film because you have the budget, right. you have a crew. But now you can kind of go do it on your own. But it's almost harder to finish because. And then harder to stand out because everybody has movies. You know, everyone's competing. Everyone says they have that, all the so, gadgets now too. You know, the cameras, yeah. all that jazz. Yeah, exactly. But I have a so question. Kind of you got all these, <laughs> exactly for sure. You've got all these special effects, and they're quite impressive for uh, the film you've done there with the time machine, and you've got the artificial intelligence. Can you go? How, how did you go about getting the aesthetic of the time machine and all that? And who's kind of responsible for the? I guess you would, I don't know if you call it CGI or whatever on that end of the film. Uh, The visual effects was done by my friends Adam Miller and uh, Sam Hansen. Uh, They both work at a company called Hello Studios, and they make commercials for really awesome commercials all over and everything. And I'd asked them to do, you know, visual effects for Norman. Now, when it came to Annie, like the HUD, the actual heads-up display, the little, like, you know, various icons and stuff, right. I'm, a, I'm a UX specialist, uh, and uh, so I, I do websites and everything like that. So I just do front-end. So I design what it looks like, and then a developer mm. goes on the back end and actually makes it work. But because of that, it was me and a couple other friends of ours that, did, you know, did the design. We fleshed out how Annie's user interface works. But it was both mm. for... Because I didn't want to have that Michael Bay, you're in the FBI room where they have these amazing CGI. Right. I'm going, who creates that? Like, that's not, like, <laughs> it always takes me out because I'm like, no, like, I, I, I'm a specialist. I work with this stuff all the time. Like, that would be so time consuming. So we really try right. to think, okay, if Norman created this Annie, how would it look? It'd be kind of minimalistic. Uh, it would mm-hmm. work, you know, it, it's it's self-charging. It's all these kind of, so we really try to work. Too, to go on the, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, my my original idea was basically the black and decker version of a like uh, a little tool. So it's like it's it's not flashy. It's very minimalistic, and it right. shows that because you, you find out when Norman makes it. He makes it like as a high school or something like that. And so he's a really smart right. smart guy. And so it's meant to reflect that, but it's also meant to be unique and different. And so then the visual effects when Adam and Sam they would uh, they would we actually build a website. You could insert an MP3 of the audio of Annie's voice. And then they would capture that black screen of the UI talking, and it actually was a music visualizer my friend made by accident. And I was oh, like, hey, yeah. I saw, I yeah, I saw it on his laptop. I came by work, and I was like, hey, what you doing, uh, Picor? And he's like, oh, I'm just working on some music, uh, like a visualizer. <laughs> you know, you kind of see like on Windows, right? And I was like, right. that's it, that's Annie, because we had gone through faces, all sorts of ideas, and then when I saw the little circle, I was like, I think this will work because it's really simple. And then he added, I just added the one thing I wanted to it was this little inside ring that just kind of fades in and out. And that's that kind of to represent breathing. Because in right. the movie, there's shots where the camera just kind of slowly moves in on Annie's face. And for the viewer, how do you know she's listening? Uh, because, you know, the, mm. the visual hire only moves when she talks. So I did that to kind of represent that she's breathing or alive or she's listening or actively, you know, doing something. And that sure, yeah. kind of just became Annie. And... Yeah, we, we thought there was going to be like 30 visual effects. There ended up being like 192. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it took, two and a, yeah. it took two and a half years off and on working on it because, again, to, to pay for that would have been like $200,000 worth of work. Dude, just for, just but, for the special effects. Yeah, because, again, like, so I raised, I raised 14000 from Kickstarter, and that helped mm. pay 
kind of get visual effects started. But, I mean, we got so far, and I was like, okay, some of the tracking's off. I don't know. we got to update. And I'm kind of a, a detailed perfectionist. I was like, we got to get this. Because if it doesn't work, the whole movie fails. It really does. And they're like, hey, we want to finish it, but we have other projects that pay money. So they would literally go away for like three, four months, come back, work on the visual effects for a couple days, do another big project, be back in five months. (laughs) And we just chipped at it every chance we can. And I mean, I owe everything to those guys for for pulling it off. Because I think they did a great job. Like, I I mean, I was particular. I said, I said, you know, my camera is not the best for a shot with this. It's a Canon 60D. And... It's, okay. Yeah, it's a crop sensor. It's not great. And I said, whenever I'm showing the UI, if my camera's slightly out of focus or it's a little bit soft, match the, the visual effects. I want it to look like it's in the camera, not hovering above it and sharper. Don't sharpen right. it. Don't do any of that. Match the focus. So even if it's a little off, and to me, that makes it feel like it's actually in the film and Annie's a real character as opposed to something that we just try to, you know, again, make it look more sharp than it really is. So... <laughs> we went with that approach. Less is more for the film, and I, I think I think we pulled it off for sure. For sure, you did an excellent job with all the CGI, all the effects, and all that. I have a question for people that when they view the film, what's the overall message that you'd like them to take? It deals with a lot of you know psychological stuff. He's going through the character a lot of like you had said. He's got you know he's trying to escape his past and all that and different things. Like what kind of overall message if you had to sum it up? Would you like the viewer to take from the film in general? Uh, you know, I, as I worked on the film and kind of uh, as things kind of changed and we tweaked a little bit here and there, um, mm. one of the we kind of found we almost kind of stumbled into the message that got even more reinforced towards the end was essentially, you know, you really do have to face, you know, the problems that you have. You know, everyone everyone growing up has baggage from something, you know, I mean, whether it's from childhood stuff, and, and it could be good or bad. It's just, it's kind of amazing. Everybody you meet kind of has, like, advantages and disadvantages in a way, you know? It's like, right. I have a friend that, it, they're just the most amazing. They hang out with their family. That's the coolest thing. Me growing up, it was just always awkward kind of hanging out with family. But because of that, it's like, oh, it's almost given me a little bit more impatience to long-suffering with Norman because of that, where other friends mm. don't have that, but then they have advantages the other way. So with Norman, it was like, He's a character that just keeps running from things, and he doesn't want to face it. He doesn't want to grow up, and he doesn't want to, like, deal with it. It's just people are always shoving things under the carpet, essentially. It's like, no, step up. Deal with it, and, you know, right. you're going to be okay. Because it's like people are always trying to get to that next thing, you know? But once you get mm. it, you want the next thing. And so you, next, you do yeah, have to be okay. Yeah, you do have to kind of just be okay with with who you are and living in the present. Like, you can't control tomorrow. Um, and I, I, I'm... I'm just really proud of that message because, again, it's it's something I worked through while I was working on the film. And it's like, wow, because over seven years, it, what's really scary is, you know, again, I, I wanted to do my best of the film. And I wanted to make sure I said when I was done, I know I put everything I had into it to make it the best I can. But you know what? That doesn't guarantee. It does not guarantee that the movie's good. It doesn't at all. It just means that I, I, I wanted to do everything I could. But it's scary to think after seven years did I make a crap film? Did I make another, you know, bottom of the barrel <laughs> trashy film that no one's going to care about? No, I, th- I think and it's a scary. pretty good film. I think I just and really I, like the link you sent with us falling. I think it's a really that. good film. Yeah, yeah you're I welcome. I appreciate man. that. But it's, it's just a, it's a real thing that, you know, even for people who want to do this as well, it's like, 
You don't right. know that. And so with the story of Norman, I, I also had to be okay going, I might find out. I don't know at all what I'm doing. And I, I, I spent a lot of years, and I guess I learned a lot of good stuff, but I might have a crappy film, and I'm going to have to be okay with that. <laughs> and so... And so I think with the story of Norman, of what it tries to teach too as well, it's very similar. I'm like, I'm just going to have to live with it. Because at some point I just had to go, all right, it's good. I can't think of anything else I want to do to it. I'm I'm excited about it. Sure. Have I gotten better over the seven years? Heck yes. I've learned so much from the start of it. But I'm proud of it. I'm really, really proud of it. I think I think people are going to find it really fascinating. Um, and it's been so fun. It's a very clever festival. for sure. Yeah, it's a very Thank clever you. film for sure. It's very in, in interesting and different take on the time travel aspect as well. Well, wrapping up the show, do you have any information on a possible or release date or any or really soon upcoming? You said I mentioned that you're going to Australia for a science fiction festival and any websites yeah. as well for people to check out the film. Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, the best way to, to keep up to date with it is, uh, we're, you know, we just started our festival run. Uh, we're, we probably plan to go at least till the end of the year, if not like early spring. But our hope is okay. throughout these festivals, and we've already had we've already had a good amount of interest on distribution. But we're, the way it works is you try to get a little bit of competition going, and so we hope to get a good deal. Um, but go go to normanthefilm.com, uh, and you can find us on Facebook as well. Um, and just follow us there. You can sign up on the newsletter. But we post updates. We we have links. We have a whole section called festivals. So again, if you're in a if you're in the area and you're near the festival and you want to come, that would be awesome. But we hope by at least uh, like by the end of the year, we'll have some really good news on when the actual release date is. But it's crazy how long things take because you can get a deal and then it's like, oh, then they have to promote it right. and all this kind of stuff. It's crazy. My brother just went through that with a documentary he helped finish and do sound for. So he's like, yeah, he's like, I think Norman's gonna do really well. <laughs> so, yes, indeed. Yeah, yes, indeed. You can follow along. Well, Joel, man, it was a pleasure having you on the show tonight. I really, I really look forward to seeing what goes on with Norman and all the festivals and all that, and we'll keep up to date on that. You have a good night, man. Hey, thanks, Owen, very much. Appreciate it. This is Owen with SciFiction.com signing off for tonight's show. You've been listening to Owen Connor with SciFiction.com. For more great interviews and pop culture coverage, please check us out on social media at SciFiction on Facebook and Twitter and SciFiction.com on Instagram. SciFiction.com, envisioning a positive future.